Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast. Today we're hearing from Pastor Eric Hansen, Senior Leader of Destiny Church. In this message, Pastor Eric continues our series, The Prince of Peace. Following the message, take a look at the episode description where you can find scripture references as well as helpful links to learn more about the ministry of Destiny Church. We're in the middle of a series and it's, it's going to be fun for me. There's no one else I would uh, share a series with than Pastor Steve Nordyke, who I've known for a long, 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 35 years <clears throat> or so maybe. And um, he is going to finish the series next week. Uh, last week was, we're, we're, the series is Prince of Peace. We get that out of Isaiah chapter nine. We talked about the, last week the promise of peace. Today we're gonna talk about the presence of peace. And next Sunday he's gonna talk about the power of peace. And so let's begin this morning in Isaiah chapter 9, where we began last week and we will next, <clears throat> where it says in chapter 9, beginning at the sixth verse, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Father, we ask that your word today would be impressed upon our hearts to make God uh, such an impact that we would come to a realization that your peace is greater than anything else. That Lord, our, your peace is our peace. And it has broken down every wall in our lives. And so we surrender to you today. And in that surrender, we find peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Speaking about the presence this week, the presence of the Prince of Peace. There's only two texts. And there are these. Jot them down, please. Matthew 1, beginning uh, the 23rd verse. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? Which means what? Say God with us. God with us. That's his presence. Okay? We're talking about peace and his presence and his presence is Emmanuel. John 1:14. Then we have, then the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He's here and he's here right now. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the, the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. His presence is with us. How would that change the way you worshiped this morning if you really believed that? How would it change the way that you got ready for church this morning if you know Jesus was gonna be at church this morning? How would it change the way that you plan your week coming up if Jesus was going to be present, his presence was going to be with you? Hannah sang it earlier, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns. I mean, in one sense, he, I mean, the, the mourning that Chris Lee is going through in, the, in his wife passing this morning but for all of us who mourn in lowly exile here, that's what the chorus, that's what it says. We all mourn here in lowly exile until the Son of God appears. So rejoice, rejoice, 
Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel. He is the Prince of Peace. We talked about that last week, what that means. He's in charge. He's the captain. He is the bringer and the keeper. He is the keeper of the peace. There's a lot of times that Jesus could have been stressed out. You get stressed out? I get stressed out sometimes. Being stressed out and being, be, being busy, I'm just gonna tell you this, side note, these are, all, these are all your own responsibility. There's no reason for you to be stressed out. And so if you're stressed out, that's your own bad. And if you're busy, that's your own, oh, I'm just so busy. Well, you've allowed yourself to be busy and that's your own fault. Don't complain about it. Okay, that went over real well. I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to help you navigate this coming month. I'm just so busy. You're busy because you've allowed things in a circle closer to you than maybe they should be. So Jesus was never stressed out. He was never demonstrating a lack of peace. And, and, I, and I thought of a number of places where he really could have had some difficulty. How about when he was first water baptized, he's driven out into the desert for maybe 40 days. He's 40 days in the wilderness. No food, no water, and still the peace. If you have to wait till two o'clock to have lunch today, you're irritable. Let's say I just kept preaching. Let's just say I just kept preaching, right? Now it's 11.30. We said we were going downstairs. Now it's noon. How long would it be before you said, hey, babe, let's, let, let's go. And then as you got up, we would all look at you when you walked out. How would that be? Stressful. Why? Because you're hungry. Jeez, 40 days. I don't know how long you have fasted food. 40 days is a long time. You know what hangry is? Do you know what hangry is? That's hungry to the second power. That's when you start getting angry because you're hungry. It's hangry. Jesus could have really had lost his peace and gotten hangry, but he didn't. He was still at peace. In Matthew chapter 14, you got the 12 apostles. They were in the boat and the boat was being tossed. There was a storm at night. <coughs> Jesus came, peace be still. He brings peace to the situation. Could Jesus have been equally stressed? I think he could have. Hey, these guys are freaking out. Jesus is, listen to me. Jesus is standing on the same water that Peter is. Get it. Get the picture. It wasn't like Jesus was standing on this, you know, a, 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 just a very calm piece of water. He was in the same waves. He was in the same wind that Peter was, but he didn't lose his peace. Then it intensifies when he stands before Pilate, going in to see the man who had the power to execute him. Could have lost your peace there. I mean, I don't know. You go in to see your boss. You go in to see somebody that has some really, really high authority. You go, you're gonna go to court. You're gonna see the judge. And he has the ability to sentence you to time in prison. That's a big deal. Nervous? Lose your peace? Not Jesus. He stood there right before Pilate, totally at peace. Then from there, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. 
Another place he could have lost some peace. People coming after him, attacking him. Being beaten, carrying his cross. Until ultimately his crucifixion in Luke chapter 24. Yet, he never freaked out. You know that freak out moment? You ever had a freak out moment? I've had a few. Not proud of them. Not proud of them. It's like, oh no. It's like, it's like the dam breaks, right? I'm like, wow, that's, that's not healthy. That's not good. So you, you retract, say sorry, and you, and, you, and you work over it. You work through it and you ask for forgiveness. Jesus never had to do that. Jesus never freaked out. Why? Because he's at peace. He's at peace. There's something special about that type of peace that Jesus has. What do we say about that? It's transcendent. It goes over and above our heads. It's not natural. You know what it is? It's supernatural. It's not natural peace. And, and, and listen, that peace is available to you. It's not natural peace. Hum, we hum, or you do some weird yoga, whatever, mumbo-jumbo. That's a bunch of ridiculous stuff, right? It's fooey. Don't do that. Or you, you have, listen, the only, you can have peace right now, just this second. I do. There was a time I may not have. But I do. I want that kind of peace, don't you? It says this in John 14. This is well worth writing down and, and highlighting in your Bible because we're gonna come back to this in a few minutes. Jesus speaking now, there's red letters. Peace I leave with you. Great, like that. My peace, ooh, underline that. Underline my peace. Aren't you glad it's not your spouse's peace, your friend's peace, your boss's peace, your neighbor's peace? This is my peace. This is mine. I'm gonna give it to you. My peace I give you. I don't give it to you like the world gives. No, no, no. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Now, I am now, how old am I, 60 or 61? I'm 60? Wow. I'm 60 years old. I'm 61. No, I'm 61. Okay, I had a birthday. You can see how important these things are to me. Okay, I'm 61 years old. I have so much more peace at 61 than at 51. And I had more peace at 51 than I had at 41. And I don't know what that is other than having walked with the Lord a certain amount of time, and you realize, you know what? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. So just relax. Relax, young Padawan. <laughs> I've got more peace at 61 than I ever thought I could have. But I'll tell you what, you don't want my peace. You want his peace. I have a, a watch. 
I don't know that I'm super, I mean, I like my watch. I, it's, a, it's an Apple watch. It's a, a Series 5, which means it does a lot more things than I ever care that it to do than tell time. I think I could climb Mount Kilimanjaro with this watch and uh, um, be a mountain climber. I tell them what my blood pressure is. I can tell you whatever, whatever's going on. I could give you my watch, but it wouldn't be the most expensive watch in the world because the most expensive watch is a Rolex GMT Ice decked out in diamonds and is worth 485000 Half a million dollars. Half a billion. Half a million. Half a million dollars. That's a watch right there, baby. I got a truck. I got a truck outside. I like my truck. But my truck does not compare to the Rolls Royce La Rose Drop Tail. Retail price $35 million for the Rolls-Royce LaRose drop tail. I mean, if you had $35 million, is that really what you'd spend it on? No, I don't think so. I don't think so, but that's the most expensive car <coughs> as of my Google search last week. I could give you my house or I could give you the Biltmore Estate in Asheville, North Carolina, worth a quarter of a billion dollars. Look at that. The most expensive house. The Biltmore Estate, Asheville, North Carolina. I have not, I've not been in it. I've flown over it. It's so big you can't miss it. 35 bedrooms, 43 bathrooms, 65 fireplaces. So what's the deal, pastor? The point is this. In the analogy, God's peace is greater. I could give you my peace. Oh, look, look, look at the peace that they, God says, the peace that I have to give you, it's my peace. It's greater than anything you could ever imagine. I can't imagine wearing a, a $485,000 watch, driving a $35 million car, and living in a quarter billion dollar house. But that doesn't even scratch the surface to how wealthy God is. So how is it then that we say, you know, I'm, I just, I've lost my peace, I don't have, you know what, I was just, and, and I don't want to necessarily harken back to this, but it is so fresh on my heart and spirit this morning, talking to Chris this morning, the man's at peace. Supernatural, just the grace that's on his life this morning, just supernatural, powerful. You know what that is? That's the Prince of Peace. That's peace of God resting on his life. Emmanuel, God with us, here and now. Not just Christmas, O come, O come, Emmanuel, God be with us. Let your peace rule and reign with us now. Come to earth he lived with us for 33 years, demonstrating the peace, and now he offers it. He is our peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace. My peace. Look at what Jesus went through. Look where Jesus was. Look at the heartache. 
yet he still had peace. And he says, that type of peace you can have. I know some of your, life right, some of your lives right now are pretty topsy-turvy. Some of them are upside down. Maybe not have been the best year in the world. Maybe the last best decade. But you know what? That does not preclude you from making, having God's peace be available to you. Peace is not contingent upon whether or not you feel like that you deserve it. Remember last week I told you some people feel like they, ne- they don't deserve a second chance from God. And I asked what made you think you deserved a first chance. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Let me become more aware of your presence. Let me experience the glory of your goodness. We sang that this morning. Thank you, Hannah. But how can we, this is, this is where we'll finish up this morning. How can we become more aware of this peace? Because it's here. he's here right now. He's the Prince of Peace. I'm a firm believer, and I'll just, I'll just, uh, I'll just back up here just a little bit so you can uh, track with me. Um, God, is, God is pro-revival, yes or no? Say yes. He's always pro-revival. Then why does revival wax and wane? It has nothing to do with that. It has, it has with, with God's intention for revival. It has with our ability to notice that he's in the room. Pure and simple. Pure and simple. He is as real right now in this room as he's ever been at the height of any revival in America or the world. The same Jesus and the same presence is here. I believe that. Same with this peace. You can have peace if you recognize that the Prince of Peace is in the room. I mean, I, I don't know what it's like having some of the horrible things happen to people that, that some people have, have to go through. I've had some bad things happen. But I'll tell you what, you can have peace in the middle of your, 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 your personal holocaust, your personal tragedy, your personal heartache, your personal shipwreck. God is with you. He is an ever, listen, he is an ever-present help in time of trouble. And what is the help that he brings when you're in trouble? He brings peace. The peace that passes understanding, that guards your heart, guards your mind, and keeps you in Christ Jesus. So how do you become more aware? Three things. Number one, you're gonna stop the busyness. I'm gonna give you three things. Stop the busyness. It's hard for me because I like, I enjoy doing, right, Jill? We're a little bit doers, aren't we, sometimes? Some of you others, you're doers. Like, like if you're not doing something and somebody walks in the room, you feel guilty that you weren't doing anything. Some of y'all have no problem with that. Uh, but, but I like being busy. I like doing things, and I like, I like productivity. I like that. But I have, to, I have to be reminded, and I have been reminded, And let me remind you, Jesus was never in a hurry. How convicting is that? Hurry up, parents to kids. I mean, there's a discipline there. I get that. But us as adults, hurry, 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 hurry. Hurry here, hurry there, you know? 
cussing out the red light because you got so much to do. <laughs> Mumbling under your breath because that person doesn't pull out in the middle of the intersection so you can get through too. <laughs> Write it down. It'd be, it'd be top 10 tattoo worthy. <laughs> Jesus was never in a hurry. Now kids on the front row, teens on the front row, don't be using that on mom and dad. <laughs> Pastor said. <laughs> Jesus was never in a hurry. So how do you stop the busyness? You set priorities, you set boundaries that do what? That align with Jesus values. Hey, hurry up to... Is that something Jesus would pay attention to? Is that something really important? Is that, is that Jesus worthy? Well, you have to have, listen, you have to have some criterion. What criterion will you use? If, it is, if, it's an, if, if you live your life by management of emergency, you will burn yourself right out. Hello? It's just an emergency, 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 everything's an emergency. No, you set priorities. We will deal with issues in a certain way and the way in which the Lord would have us deal with them in this house. And if it isn't, is it, if it isn't appropriate that we go to that party or that party or that party or this party and we work ourselves all fast, stop, stop the busyness. Last I checked, it's all about a baby in a manger. Last I checked, it's about a baby it's about God coming to earth. It's about Emmanuel. That's last I checked. This is what this is all about. Yes, we like the trees. It takes time and effort to put the trees up at home. But that's not the priority. You can have, trust me, from two people who lived in Section 8 housing and had no money, you can have Christmas without a tree. We did. We had one strand of lights over the sheet that was on the window. <laughs> That's how it was. And guess what? Just like the Who in Whoville, Christmas still came. <laughs> so stop the busyness. You know, uh, I don't, uh, to be honest with you, Hannah, I don't necessarily remember all the gifts you've given me over the years, but you know what? Every note you've ever written me for my birthday or Christmas, I keep those. You know what's more important than getting just the right gift is telling someone how much you love them. Amen. So why not just write a note this year? Don't stress, oh, we don't have the money, we don't have the money, we don't have the money. A lot of people don't have the money. Sit down and write a thoughtful note to someone. Tell them how much they mean to you. I'm talking about stopping the business. I'm trying to help you find peace in the middle of this season. Number one, stop. Build in rest to your plans. I'm learning this the older I get too. When I was younger, I was like, come on, let's go. And yesterday, I rapped, I rapped. I rapped. Yesterday was my rapping day. I'm in charge of rapping. I don't know how I got dubbed the king rapper, but I am the king rapper. She did too. You have to pace yourself. And you have to say, you know what? We, we're not gonna be able to get all this done. And so that's gonna be okay. Doesn't that just great some of you? We're not gonna get it all done and that's gonna be okay. Let's try it together. 
Say it with me. We're not gonna get it all done, and that's gonna be okay. Okay, let's try again. We're not gonna get it all done, but that's gonna be okay. Wow, some of you just couldn't do it, could you? <laughs> I want you to be at peace. No one likes you when you don't have peace. Can I just be honest? You're hard to be with when you don't have peace. You're short. You don't have nice conversations. You get bossy. You get finger pointy. And you're more concerned about the end result than the process that gets you there. And Christianity is not the ends justify the means. Because God is all about the means, not the ends. Because if God is intended only for the end, he doesn't need you. <clears throat> if God only has the end in mind, he can speak it into existence. He doesn't need you to rub your two sticks together to make fire. He just says, fire. What he needs you to do, what he needs me to do, is to be obedient and to enjoy the journey. That's the means to the end. God is overwhelmingly saturated with a need for healthy means, not ends. So don't worry about it. It just might not get done. And you can be okay with that. Gosh, I'm preaching to myself. How am I doing? Am I doing okay, babe? Am I doing all right? Good, good. So what are we talking about? We're talking about stopping the busyness. There's an author, Anne Van uh, Voskamp. She wrote a great book, a, a bestseller in New York Times, Dare to Live Fully Right Where You Are, she writes. Being in a hurry is getting to the next thing without fully entering into the thing in front of me. I cannot think of a single advantage I've ever gained from being in a hurry, but a thousand broken and missed things, ten thousands, lie in the wake of all of my rushing. Through all that haste, I thought I was making up time, but in fact, it turns out I was throwing it away. You wanna have peace? I wanna have peace. Then stop. Stop the busy. Then number two, drop the unrealistic expectations. Drop the facade. Drop the facade. You're not gonna do this thing like some sort of Hallmark movie. By the way, Hallmark is just dropped off the face of the earth. It's just horrible. I used to think it was horrible. Now it's horrible squared. It's just terrible. <laughs> but you gotta drop the facade. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be a, a, a little transparent here. My wife and I, the last Christmas, mass Christmas card we sent out was in 1993. We have it on our refrigerator as a memorial to the last Christmas card we ever sent out. And the reason I know it is because Hannah is one year old in the picture. And I just found that the stress of all of that Christmas, now some of you love it. God bless you, send me one. That's awesome. But we've come to a place where we just, we just, we just don't send Christmas cards. It just seemed to be too much. And because of who we are and the role that we have in so many people's lives and, and so on and so forth, there was always someone that got their nose out of joint that they weren't on that list. So then I just tore the list up and said there's not gonna be any. And you know what happened to my piece? It returned. 
Some of you, you gotta get those lights out. You gotta get that tree up. You got just drop the facade. You're a normal person just like everyone else. You are not Chip and what's his mug gains. What's it was? Joanna. <laughs> now they're gonna remodel a hotel. Have you seen that? Some of you have no idea who I'm talking about. You're so blessed. You've heard of decorum. Let's have some decorum. There's a Latin phrase called corum deo. It means to live in the presence of God before his face. It's a theological phrase we use. It's an idea of living one's entire life under the authority and in the face and the honor to the glory of God. Corum deo. Your life, your decorum, quorum deo in front of God. You live your entire life as if you are living it in front of God, as if the Prince of Peace is in the room today. How can you become more aware of God's peace at Christmas? Stop the busy, drop the facade, and you know what number three is, right? Stop, drop, and yeah, yeah. Roll in the rhythm of remembrance. A little alliteration there. What does this mean? And I am, I, I'm, 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 a bit, I'm a bit conflicted because I'm not tradition for tradition's sake because tradition, Jesus said, you can actually make the word of God without effect because of your tradition. You do a bunch of stuff. Anybody come from a, from a, from a, I, I, I do, I'll speak to myself. I, I came from a, a tribe in Christianity where there was a lot of routine. We stand up, we sit down, and the three hymns you were gonna sing were on a board up front, and the numbers were there. And my nature is I'm gonna look them up and tear off a part of the bulletin. Put that one in there. And that's what we're gonna do is there. We're probably gonna do verses one, three, and five on that one. And then, and you write them down, and, and, uh, and you're all set, and you know, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, whatever, our fathers stand up and down, so on and so forth. And then, and, th and then there were times, like in the middle of service, I couldn't remember if we'd already said that thing before because we just did it all the time. Now, today I can sing some of those old hymns and get great nourishment. I can recite some of those old creeds and really get filled up, filled up because I'm with intentionality listening to the words and I'm speaking, I'm, I'm speaking the, the truth nuggets of those things rather than just blah, blather, blather, blather. So I want you to understand, when I talk about rolling in the uh, um, rhythm of remembrance, I'm not talking about tradition for tradition's sake. In 2 Thessalonians uh, Chapter two, verse 15, it says, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold to the traditions that you were taught, whether by word or epistle. Deuteronomy 32, seven, remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father and he will tell you, your elders, and they will explain to you. G.I. Packer, a famous pastor, theologian in the 70s, well-known evangelical theologian, says that observing traditions speaks to the stabilizing and secure aspects of continuity to the past. Traditions, here it is, traditions when rooted in enduring truth, capital T, can produce stability in the ever-changing landscape of life. And don't we need a little stability in life today? 
where everything changes. How do you get peace this Christmas season? Stop the busy, drop the facade, and try rolling in the rhythm of remembrance. What does this mean? Well, it means that you do things, you practice things that remind you of your spiritual heritage, who you are in Christ. Now, yes, you may have a favorite cookie recipe that reminds you of your nana, grandma, whatever. There's like 27 names for grandmas nowadays. When I was a kid, it was grandma. But now it's like nana, grandma. What, what's all the, GG, GG, nana, nana, whatever. Whatever, whatever. Hannah said, what do you want to be called? Hannah said to me, what do you want to be called when she had her first baby? I said, I'm going to be called grandpa. There's no other option. Right, Miles? That's how we roll. Old school. OG grandpa. <laughs> so I'm not talking about that. I mean, I have my favorite cookie recipe. You all have your favorite cookie recipe that reminds you of your your grandma or whoever, whatever. I'm talking about things that bring you to a sense of grounding, to a sense of an anchor, like a boat in a storm needing a mooring. Yes, this is important. For example, yesterday, wrapping presents. I mean, it's a serious thing, man. I bring out a table, set up a special table. I got my, my paper, my scissors. My, it's, a, it's, it's a thing. It's a thing with me. And I can get a little with it all. So what I do, I play music that brings me to a place of happiness. And it's not, it's not Burl Ives singing Holly Jolly Christmas. That's not what it is. I put on Handel's Messiah and I play that at volume 10. You know why? Because there's no 11. That's why. And so I'm listening, I'm listening to the story of Christmas in song as I'm wrapping things from China. <laughs> Maybe it's a particular movie. <laughs> not Die Hard. <laughs> no, it's not a Christmas movie. But how about decorating the tree? Could, could, here's a thought, could decorating the tree actually be fun? Yes, yes, yes. That's, that's tradition. That's rolling in the rhythm of tradition. This is what we do, and we think about the Lord. We don't think about Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade we don't think about those. We think about whose birthday it is. What a tragedy that I'd come to your house and celebrate your birthday and never acknowledge your presence in the room. What a tragedy. We do an Advent calendar. It's still early in the month. You could do this. I don't know if you've ever done an Advent calendar. Well, that sounds old school. It comes from my, it comes from my Lutheran German tradition where every day there would, be another, there would be another box to open and you would have a scripture, you'd have something to remind you it would be in a nativity. You'd have to go to a nativity to do this rather than a picture of Kris Kringle and some Rudolph character. I'm not anti-Rudolph, by the way. I'm not anti-Rudolph. I watched Rudolph, by the way, with the granddaughters this week. I watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. There's a great lesson in there. Here's this little kid that got made fun of 
Everybody made fun of him. No one wanted to let him play in any reindeer games because he looked so weird. But then along came Santa Claus. So your weirdness, I need that. Isn't that great how Jesus likes us too, regardless of how weird we can be? These are the lessons that can be taught, ladies and gentlemen, as you read How the Grinch Stole Christmas or whatever. Roll in the rhythm of remembrance. Stop the busyness, drop the facade, and have some traditions. My favorite and one that will go with me and hopefully go on after me is the reading of, of, of Luke chapter two. And I'll tell you what, the pinnacle, the frenzy. Now, I don't know if you're a Christmas Eve opener or Christmas day. Let's take an informal poll. Christmas presents, Christmas Eve. Any Christmas Evers in the house? It, Christmas day. Really? Wow. Wow. Wow, I'm proud of you, proud of you. Gotta say, I'm proud of you. My family, my family's Christmas Eve. I think because on necessity, we had to go to the grandparents, which were a drive away on Christmas Day, and then that was that. But nonetheless, whether you do your presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, that's kind of where we're all headed, right? That's where the, 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 that's where the, the pimple's about to pop, right there. Right there, it's time. And who gets the first one and who's gonna pass them out? Before you do that, before you do that, just stop. Get out the family iPad, I mean the family Bible. <laughs> Got a bit of a twitch when I said that. Get out your family Bible. Open it up to Luke chapter two and have someone read the Christmas story. Just the first 20 verses. Make that a tradition. If you don't have any traditions that revolve around bringing peace into your home, that, when you just stop, it's like, it's like you've all arrived at a four-way four stop at the same time. Like, who's gonna go first? Hey, how about we put Jesus first? Rather than you get your present first, or you get your present first, or I got the last year, let's just stop. And let's just take about five minutes is all it's gonna take. And let's have some, we, in our family, we rotate it through. It's the honor. It is the highest honor in our family for any particular year to be the reader. So much so in the back of my mom's family Bible for the last 25 or 30 years, she has everyone's name who's read it that year. Hopefully someday I might get that Bible. See, that's the important things. Stop, drop, roll in a little bit of remembrance. So here it is. Stop the busyness. Jesus was never in a hurry. Drop the unrealistic expectations and roll in the remembrance. And here's where we end. Ephesians chapter two, verse 14. For he himself is our peace. He himself is is our peace. You wanna have more peace? You need more Jesus. Close your eyes with me here for a moment, would you please? His present to you this year is his presence. His present is the presence of peace. In the gift of this moment, find the presence 
of his peace, wrapping your soul in a calm assurance and filling your heart with a deep calm that it can only come from the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince, the giver of peace, keeper of peace. The greatest gift he gives is not wrapped up in shiny paper, but it lays at the foot of a blood-stained cross. He purchased your peace. In his presence is a sanctuary of peace for the searching heart, for the broken heart. Amid life's chaos, his greatest present is his presence. A soothing balm for your weary soul. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel. He is your peace. He is your peace. Who has broken down every wall. Cast all your cares on him. He cares for you. For He cares for you. 
We bless you and we thank you that you are our peace. And we cast our care on you this morning. Some of you desperately need that peace. I do. I desperately need his peace. Without it, I don't know if you've ever seen a dog chase its tail. It's kind of how we go through life. There is a peace available for you, and it's found in Jesus. Bow your head with me. Father, the peace that we so desperately need, we discovered as a person. It's not a thing. It's you. And to know Jesus is to know peace. And if you don't know Jesus or you don't know him as well as you think you should, just lift your hand to heaven this morning as a sign to him saying, God, I need your peace. I need you. I need you to move in my life, to move in my heart. Don't worry about your spouse or your kids or your marriage or any of that because if you find this peace, all that other stuff gets better. All that other stuff gets better your job, your finances, worry starts to melt away. This is the center. This is the chewy, golden nougat center of a Christian life. That when you are thrown into the Colosseum of life, you can still have peace. Lord, this is us reaching to you, casting all our cares on you, Be our peace today. Help us to stop the chaos. Drop the facade and roll with remembrance the times that you've been there for us and taken care of us. We commit our lives to you today as Christians to live for you, not perfectly, but the best we can with the help of your spirit. We need your help, Lord. We are broken and inferior, but by your stripes, we're healed in our bodies and our minds, our spirits made whole because of the wonderful counselor, Isaiah 9, the Prince of Peace. Make an impression on our hearts this morning, Lord, as we leave this place to go downstairs and to celebrate and have fun and enjoy. God, may your peace be with us. May it not so quickly drain out, but may we be filled with peace. May we slow up enough to tell someone we love how much they mean to us. May we remember the importance of celebrating your birthday this season. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Holy Spirit. May we leave this place now filled with joy, knowing that you are our peace doesn't come from an outside source. It comes from you. And we thank you for it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a message from Destiny Church in Springfield, Illinois. To learn more about our ministry, visit the episode description where you can find links to our website, ways to give, and more about who we are. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast. 
your place for real, relevant relationship. Relationship.